<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, folks, we'll start the show in just one second. But first. Wow. People are going crazy for literati. The number one book club for kids. Wendy tweeted, just got a subscription for my nine-year-old nephew who loves to read. Awesome sponsors, Mama. Travis Bone's nephews. We were on FaceTime. My nephew Emmett ran and got his book and came and showed it to us on camera. They send him stickers so he can label his book so it's his book and not his little that, brother's book. I, that is adorable. I yes. know it. And think of you're in quarantine. You're running out of ideas. And they can keep the ones they love. Send back the ones that they don't. Yes. And how important is that right now? Delivered right to your doorstep safely, right? No more scrolling online trying to find the perfect gift. Parents have got enough things to worry about right now. Yes, and reading books as a family creates a sense of adventure, bonding, whatever, and will keep you from going crazy in quarantine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with their curated selection, only keep your favorites. Send the rest back for free. Literati.com slash Stephanie. 25% off your first two subscriptions. Best offer available anywhere. Go to L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I dot com slash Stephanie. 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati.com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up. Never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I Ladies and gentlemen, take my advice. Pull down your pants and slide on the ice. The Bob Seska Show. The last great president of the United States right there. That's how you do it. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, June 2, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Day 1,230 of the Trump crisis, 154 days until the 2020 presidential election. I was going to take this music down now and, and bring in Buzz. Hi, Buzz. How are you? Hi, hi, hi Bob. Hi. hi, everybody else. Uh, yeah, maybe the last president period. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, uh, I, I love what you've done with the bunker. <laughs> And uh, and 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 you look really good in antifa black. <laughs> you caught me. Oh, that's as man. funny. That, that's as funny as we're going to be at the top of the show. Yeah, I think uh, so. You and I discussed this before the show today, yeah. and uh, a, a lot of the jokes uh, just felt uh, hollow uh, a- after the shocking display we saw last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just, I would have felt cheap, and you might have as well. You likely yeah. would have as well uh, if we'd gone ahead with the prepared comedy material. Yeah. So at least for this week, uh, please indulge us as we just get into this very frightening and historic 
situation. Yeah, yeah. And I was so glad when I got that email from you, Buzz, because I, I really felt like today's not the day to screw around. Wacky, no. The wacky sound effects, fart noises, and dad jokes, all the usual things that we, uh, we normally do right. on a Tuesday show. Not the day after the President of the United States fired tear gas and rubber bullets into a crowd of peaceful protesters in order right. to stage this bullshit photo op in which he looked like the small man he is. I mean, just seconds earlier, Trump said in the Rose Garden, while it was happening, I mean, you could hear the sound in the background while Lafayette Park was being cleared out. He stands there and stares into the camera, addressing the American people and says, I stand with all peaceful protesters. Right. Sure he does. While shooting at them. Yes. Um, Other than that, things are going pretty well, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's it's hard. Uh, we we have to we have to scrape at humor where we can find it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I know how important it is to so many people. Uh, and and some people look to us for that. Uh, just uh, please, we ask your patience. We we just yeah. can't do it this week because this is <clears throat> perhaps the most chilling thing a U.S. president has ever said. I mean, the stakes have gotten worse and more dire as the days have gone on. Certainly, we talked about the murder of George Floyd last week. Uh, We talked about police violence last week. But now we're into a new phase in which the president of the United States has, in a sense, declared war on the American people, on his own people. Right. And while granted... With the District of Columbia being a federally controlled district, the reason it was set up was so that it wasn't, there wasn't any sort of federal state conflict by plunking it down in either Maryland or Virginia. They formed their own district. So this way, the Congress should have some form of control over that block of land in which the federal government resides. Now, that doesn't make it right what the president has done. We have a president who has no sense of restraint. We have a president who doesn't care about traditions and the unwritten rules of the presidency, the values that you incorporate into being the notion of presidential. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He doesn't care that even though he can technically order the military in to round up peaceful protesters in the District of Columbia, just because he can doesn't mean he should. Right. And that's kind of what he's tempting at this point. I mean, we had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff walking around the district yesterday wearing his combat fatigues. And, and National Guardsmen in, in uh, camouflage clothing. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've seen the militarization, the remilitarization of police, right. something Obama tried to change and yeah. uh, Trump brought it back and mm-hmm. made sure that police departments got well stocked with military gear and uh, the types of gear that we're seeing uh, police in. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that you uh, said hi to someone who acknowledged those who uh, really emphasized the frightening potential of the Trump presidency mm. from an early date. Uh, and, and I think we all knew, you know, that it was going to be bad and, and and maybe even pictured this, although I find that hard to imagine because yeah. uh, it seems to me that things have gone so much farther past what we could have possibly expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, we can't emphasize enough the gravity of the situation. Uh, if there were ever a time... I think, to fly the American flag upside down, this is it. Yeah. Well, the problem that I see in all of this, and this goes back to 2015, this goes back to the election, this goes back to all of those things that have often gotten lost in the fire hose of news, those little trespasses, each little one accumulating over the years into what we see now, which is critical mass, because ultimately the president sets the tone for the country. The president sets the tone, especially for people in positions of authority. And so all of this time, whether it's his rallies in 2015, his rallies throughout his presidency, his public statements, his tweets, what have you, he has, in fact, encouraged a lot of this shitty, violent, racist behavior. Baby steps. From day day one, baby steps toward dictatorship. And uh, hi, kids, it's arrived. It's Mm -hmm. here. Uh, uh, This is... 
this is that moment that we all fear. This is that uh, still unattributed quote of uh, uh, when fascism comes to America, it will come wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. Uh, a lot of people think that's Sinclair Lewis. It's not. We don't know really who said it first. Yeah. But but it, it, that's something that that's actually it, it, it. You know, Sinclair Lewis would be proud of the quote, and uh, it, as he would say, it can happen here. And as we would say to you today. It is happening here. Yeah, yeah. Now. John Meacham on MSNBC, presidential yes. historian John Meacham, who invariably one of the most even-keeled commentators. Some would say frustratingly even-keeled commentators. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh, but strange. he said this today, uh, point blank, the president of the United States is verging toward the ways and means of dictatorial power. Democracy is as fragile a thing as it gets. And obviously, he's a thousand percent correct on that. And that's right. a, that's a, one of the things that I've been most concerned about all along is this notion that we kind of uh, throughout the 200, almost 250 years of the history of this country, we have, in a sense, um, been lucky. We have managed yeah, to yeah. overcome situations that have destroyed other democracies, whether it's civil war or some form of uh, other kind of unrest, certainly unwarranted and uh, unconstitutional power grabs. We've endured these things. Uh, but, you know, you get the wrong person in the right post. And that's the American presidency. I mean, you look at how we've exported the idea of a president to other countries where things right. have gone horribly awry. The presidential model of government has been a terrible one internationally, and the United States has exported that. And the reason why it's worked up until now uh, so well in this country, as opposed to other maybe smaller developing countries, is because in this country we have those unwritten rules and we have those traditions of the presidency going back to George Washington, who set a lot of them up. And people like to praise the, especially people like Trump, like to use the founding fathers as some sort of talking point, as some sort of patriotic uh, sloganeering. But the fact of the matter is, if you actually look at what some of the founding fathers did and what the kind of ideas that they try to inject into the system from the very beginning, they were warning us against people like Donald Trump. They were saying there are people who will come along who will exploit this post for their own means. And unless we set up certain guidelines, certain strictures for the presidency, things can go badly awry. And now we've landed on someone who has no respect for those strictures, who has no respect for what's come before him or what will happen after him. In fact, he has no respect for what happened yesterday or what happens tomorrow. Donald right. Trump is all about wiggling out of one predicament after another, in, in the moment. In the moment. Exactly in right. real time. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I'll, I'll see your John Meacham and raise you a George Will. Uh, if you haven't read <laughs> yeah. if you haven't read his uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post this morning, I urge everybody to read it. And here's mm -hmm. how I'm going to entice you just with the first line here. He begins, this unraveling presidency began with the crybaby-in-chief banging his spoon on his high chair tray wow. to protest a photograph, a photograph showing that his inauguration crowd the day before had been smaller than the one four years previous. Uh, Will takes it from there uh, very much into the moment yeah. and uh, says that the president must be removed. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk with you about today, Bob, is can we make it until January 20th? Is there any hope whatsoever of removing this president as soon as possible? Well, there has to be. I mean, we have to remove him. It's not an option. It's not a matter right. of uh, will you he, would think. won't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the word has got to go out that he must be removed. And I don't care if, if Joe Biden doesn't float your boat. I really don't care. And you know what? The future of the country doesn't care either. The people who are right. getting beaten up in the streets for peacefully protesting, they don't care either. What we need in the in the White House is more than anything else. We need stability and we need normalcy. But what we have right now, and um, I think George Will kind of hints at this. I certainly talked about it in Salon today, is a president who is like a little boy who loves to shake up the ant farm just to watch right. the ants scatter yes. and go crazy. 
That's I what saw he, that. I saw you post that. I thought that was an excellent analogy. He's a chaos agent. And one of the other areas yeah. where uh, George Will and I actually kind of <laughs> never thought I'd say this, but where, oh, we, I know. where right. we overlapped was some of the ways that Donald Trump over the years has explicitly encouraged police violence and has explicitly oh, encouraged yeah. violence against peaceful pro- I'm not talking about looters I'm talking about peaceful protesters I mean multiple Trump rallies the president uh urged his brainwashed fanboys to knock the crap out of protesters it's a running right. bit for this president to offer to cover legal fees for violent supporters who attack demonstrate not that he would actually pay but it's the idea of it one of Trump's top national priorities lock up children strip them away from their families incarcerate them in cages for committing the sin of seeking the American dream yeah, it, yeah. so where they're I, where they're imprisoned they're faced with hate instead of the American dream they're faced with much worse than that, sexual assault, death, all the rest of it. I mean, he once criticized cops who humanely, this is a point that George Will made, he once criticized cops who humanely said, you know, they would put their hands on the head of, of right. suspects the guy, as they're loaded in, right? Yeah, I have it right here. Uh, in 2017, he told a gathering of uniformed officers, please don't be too nice. Don't be too nice. Don't be too nice. Yep. When you yep. guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know the way you put their hand over? I said, you can take the hand away, okay? And yeah. and as I noted in my newscast this week, big laughs, a good mm-hmm. time was had by all. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he spent Poli- months. Police applauded and laughed. Spent months. He continues to do it, to demonize Colin Kaepernick for doing what? peacefully protest, taking a knee. Would you rather have him throwing Molotov cocktails through the front window of a storefront? I don't think so. You want the peaceful protesters, and how do you have peaceful protest when the president is turning that person, that peaceful protester, into a pariah, into a and calls, villain? For, and calls black NFL players sons of bitches that's for right. taking a knee. Says they should be fired for doing that. I mean, during this phone call on Monday alone, I mean, you have to dominate the protesters. Uh, Tom Cotton uh, wanted to send in the 101st Airborne <laughs> to put down the protests, and Donald Trump said, 100% correct. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, they're, they're both punks. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, you know, this... It just beyond the pale. I Like yeah. I said, I hope people really understand uh, the gravity of what's going on. And before we get too far away from this aspect of it. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about Joe Biden in in the context of uh, the trouble we're seeing across the country right now. And uh, that is that he's had trouble getting coverage above all the noise of the uh, TV loves the violence porn. And uh, we saw a lot of that uh, leading up to the last few days. We've, We've seen an awful lot of tape replayed and uh, because there's, it's all been uh, been all about the violence and all about Trump. Yeah. And while that coverage is warranted, we're not hearing the voice of someone who might be able to help. Uh, Joe Biden addressed the nation today, if anyone heard it, and he just didn't and doesn't get the exposure that Donald Trump gets when he opens his yap. Yeah. So, uh, Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden addressed the nation today as a, a candidate to replace Donald Trump as mm-hmm. well. But uh, he began by uh, quoting George Floyd's last words. Uh, he addressed the problem directly, said he wants to be the guy to, to unify people, not divide, as we've seen. And he tore into Trump and, and yeah. uh, he said uh, the nation cries out for leadership. And uh, he, he mentioned uh, Trump's uh, threat of vicious dogs like Mr. Burns on The Simpsons yeah. uh, releasing the hounds. Uh, and he talked about the sort of split screen reality show that Trump had staged the night before mm-hmm. against the evening news. And he spoke like a leader. Uh, he said, when peaceful protesters are dispersed in order for a president, a president from the doorstep of the White House using tear gas and flash grenades to stage a photo op, a photo op at one of the most historic churches in Washington, we can be forgiven for believing the president is more interested in power than principle. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was it was refreshing to hear that. Again, for those who did, I hope that, say, on this evening's news, in the midst of the continuing violence and Trump 
uh, that that there's a little coverage of that. Yeah, I, mean, I was encouraged by the fact that it was carried on all the cable networks. I mean, they did yes. run yes. it wall to wall, which is a, a big advancement. I was glad to see that it step is. forward. Finally. Because, Good Lord. Yeah, because people just need to, need to be reminded once in a while that yes. it is still possible for someone in leadership, especially in the White House, to behave like a rational a logical, reasonable human being who pays attention to the people rather than, you know, steamrolling them, isn't it? And, I, and I'm hoping people, maybe if there are undecideds out there, we know there aren't many, but they are out there, and we know there are a few swayables, I suppose, but uh, if they see the contrast, especially amid the, oh my God, look around us, yeah. uh, the, un- the unemployment, the death from coronavirus, and now this. Uh, this this uprising across America because yeah. people have had enough. Uh, I, I you know, this is this is as dangerous and as scary and as dark as it gets. Yeah. Much darker than any comic book you've ever read. I oh, think. Yeah. Yeah. And and I hope people. I know. I think people sense the seriousness of this. No matter how into their own lives they may be, this is hard to miss. What's yeah. going on around us, and, and hopefully to see that contrast between a calm voice of reason and a raving lunatic. Uh, hopefully this will help. The poll numbers, Bob, certainly reflect it. Uh, oh, yeah. Trump, you know, Biden is soaring. Trump is, you know, and the election is not held today, although I wish there were some way it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but with the election uh, just a little over five months away at this point, uh, Biden has a pretty tremendous lead we may be on our way yeah. to that landslide that we hinted at last week mm, we'll see if i see one damn balloon uh that, that really- i know oh, i know i know we're we're too we're too fucking depressed to, to get out oh, any balloons yeah, yeah i don't think you're gonna see that happen i think if if a lot of people feel as i do this is a somber moment i mean yeah. again we didn't really feel like doing jokes today and the jokes that we prepared just seemed hollow because mm. look at this. I yeah. mean, yeah. It, it this is as bad as Bob ever said it would be. Uh, and damn you for being right. <laughs> I wish I hadn't been right. That's been my mantra from the very beginning. I hope I'm wrong about everything having to do with Donald Trump. But here's the thing. We started this latest round of awfulness at a position where things were already horrendous. Yes, we started from a position of stress, rage, dissatisfaction, that constant feeling of leaning too far back in your chair, that that adrenalized, (laughs) queasy feeling of not knowing what's going to happen in the next tweet, what's going to happen in the next public remark, what's going to happen in the next press conference, what kind of awfulness is going to be foisted into the atmosphere today. And we wake up every day like that, and that was before George Floyd was choked out in the street for doing nothing again. It took me... It took me longer than it did you to get to that point of feeling that you're leaning back in your chair too far. It took me longer to get to that point. And if I could do anything over, and, you know, I still would want to be very careful not to be a conspiracy theorist, but if I could do anything over, it would be that, again, I'm with the rest of you. I, I never doubted that Trump was capable of this. I just thought the system would stop him. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the brakes were going to give out. I, I, I didn't know. You know, I, that's it. I didn't know the brakes were going to give out. Uh, and and so if I underestimated this in any way, it was in that sense. And uh, that's why I asked you a moment ago: uh, Do we have any chance of of removing this guy before the term is over? Yeah, uh, we're not hearing a peep out of the GOP. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing at this point, mm. but we certainly. They certainly had an opportunity to remove this president because they saw, uh, we all saw what the potential was. They failed to do so, and now, look, the whole farm is on fire. Yeah, well, to answer your question, too, uh, there's nothing that can be done short of the election. And my concern has been all along, and I don't want to get too far afield with this, but the fact is that if Donald Trump gets a second term, you want to talk uh, four more years of, in fact, zero accountability, except maybe on the legislative end. There's not going to be enough votes in the Senate to impeach him. There's not going to be a 25th Amendment invocation. There's not going to be any indictments from William Barr's Department of Justice. And there's certainly not going to be an election 
in a second term that will hold Donald Trump at least to some sort of level of, oh, shit, if I go too far, then I'm going to lose some of my own voters. It's not going to matter to him anymore because he's not going to have to run again. All we have is to hope that we can survive from here to January 20th yeah. or, or and more importantly, from November 3rd to January 20th. Yeah. If that's it, because he's going to be bitter if he loses. Mm-hmm. If you think this is bad, it's going to be worse. Will there be a country left? Will there be people left alive? Yeah. Uh, you know, a will... Will he leave office? I mean, never has. I don't. I don't think there's ever been. I'm not a, an historian, but I don't think there's ever been a more dangerous point in, in American democracy than we have right now. Uh, nobody could have anticipated this. You were talking earlier about uh, people who who you know expected bad things with yeah. Trump as president, but but didn't expect it to be this bad. I think maybe they too thought the system would would step in and stop him at some point, but the brakes have failed. They have in a big way. And again, because the brakes have failed, we have um, a president who is careening wildly out of control and hitting things along the way, creating uh, damage that is going to take years, if not decades, to repair. And a lot of the damage we're seeing happening in the streets right now. I mean, case after case. Just skimming through Twitter, just flipping through the cable news channels, how many cases of law enforcement following Donald Trump's lead have we seen even following George Floyd's murder? I mean, there was a protester who was dragged to death by a FedEx truck in St. Louis. Another semi-tractor trailer plowed into protesters on the highway the other day. The police in D.C. tried to arrest an FBI agent who just happened to be a black man, believing he was a rioter, a looter. I believe his words were, you dumb motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That was the the FBI agent's words to the police who had uh, ignorantly arrested him. Mm. You know, there's another side to that coin, too. I acknowledge everything you said. And again, I think there's this focus. There is a focus on violence, porn, that that spills over into, yes, absolutely. Uh, In many cases, uh, police have heard the, not dog whistle, but bullhorn of the president and have responded to his wishes. But we've also seen... uh, police officers hugging and kneeling and putting down their shields and their batons. That's true. And and we're also seeing the system work a little bit, which is somewhat heartening. Uh, we now know uh, arrest warrants have been issued for the six Atlanta police officers who were video dragging or tasing two college students inside their car and then dragging them out of the car. <sighs> Uh, they are. There are now six wanted men who are members of the Atlanta police force, and we're seeing some of that too. And I, I think we'll see more of it if we can survive. I, my concern is, and I, you know, I again, I'm not a fan of alarmism, but can we survive till January 20th? And yeah. if not, what do we do about it? Is being in the streets the only answer at this point, failing impeachment, the 25th, and the other options? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I get deeply concerned when I see words like revolution and civil war popping up in casual, normalized conversation. And right. that's that's a problem. I mean, th- obviously, there needs to be significant change and reform in this country, uh, uh, maybe more than we've had since the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. The, oh, yeah. This has to be a new version and, of that that loops in police reform and how the federal government and, operates when it comes to peaceful protesters. And, right. you know, and then you could start the list going down from there in terms of repairing have- the presidency. Yeah. Yeah, we have an incredible to-do list ahead of us. Uh, certainly, uh, the police reforms, uh, d- teaching de-escalation, yeah. uh, reviewing the training and hiring practices in particular. Uh, that national database of cops is an excellent idea of bad cops so that they can't just uh, be fired in the city and go to work mm-hmm. in a suburb, yeah. uh, which happens a lot with officers who, who get a lot of complaints and get kicked off the force. Uh, you know, and and so I, I think there's a, a will to to make those reforms. But as you said, we need to reform the presidency. We need to reform the rules. We have to make concrete uh, law out of what were traditions and norms for the presidency. Yeah, uh, we need we need legal protections to keep this crap from ever ever happening again. We have to save the planet. We have a long list of things to do 
right away yeah. uh, when we get rid of this guy. And again, my concern is, can we survive? Can the nation survive? Can we as individuals survive until January 20th? I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but it's come to this. <laughs> it really has. Uh, you know, at the very least, how about just making it so that they can't turn off their uh, cameras, their video cameras during situations like this? I mean, we've seen instances right. where body cams. body cams were turned off right before the shit hit the fan. Uh, things like that uh, it should never be happening. Hiring practices for police. I mean, anyone can be hired as a cop now. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, I've been watching, Kimberly and I have been watching um, uh-huh. s- season four of Orange is the New Black, which right. the way that season culminates is so reflective of what is happening now. And it was years before. And so that mm-hmm. indicates that, yeah, this is nothing new, but no. it, it doesn't make it any less alarming, what, what, upsetting, what is new? and disturbing. Yeah, What is new is America's response to it. Yeah. I think more than at any time in in our history uh sorry well the demonstrations we've seen have already surpassed those that followed the death of martin luther king the killing of Mm -hmm. dr martin luther king uh that followed uh, the rodney king uh beating in in los angeles yeah uh this outstrips all of these things this is uh exponentially larger than anything uh, of the sort that we've seen before this is a national uprising and i don't see people letting go of this anytime soon uh even with helicopters overhead and tanks in the streets yeah yeah. i mean certainly these measures have been called for in the past i I remember seeing a speech from george hw bush during the la riots and you know he was calling looters and everything using those uh words like thugs and so on during an oval office address calling for the military to step in and all the rest of it but again the context is everything you have uh, someone who was known for their pragmatism and restraint in george hw bush we have a president now who doesn't have any of that restraint doesn't have any of that respect for how the system works even yeah, even as they both use this kind of bellicose language it is just it, it is a collision of all the worst things the worst instincts that represent the United States of America that Donald Trump stokes and and represents himself. I think that's the problem that he is reinforcing these horrible instincts and these horrible uh, reactions to things. The um, invoking the words of Nixon to to, to what he did yesterday in Lafayette Park uh, and all points in between. If the election were just around the corner, like a few days away, I would feel a lot better. But, I mean, again, as you've been saying, there's a big gap between now and then. Because because here's the playbook. First of all, let me say that generally I'm even more useless than usual today as a commentator because I'm just past. I'm just over all the details of what Donald Trump is and does. Yeah. I feel like we know all that stuff already. What what can we do to remove him? But but to address what you just said, by the way, Trump, uh, the reference, uh, the Nixon reference that uh, Trump made that you referred to there is he tweeted today in all caps with an exclamation mark, of course, the, uh, the silent majority. That was oh, those were the two Christ. words he tweeted, which was uh, a Nixon uh, Agnew phrase yeah. uh, in the Watergate days. And uh, so he, he tweeted silent majority. And I remembered I've I've now retweeted uh, Trump's comment with a response. I remember to that Nixon mantra in circa 1970. Yeah. And I so I retweeted the silent majority with the words, the majority isn't silent. The administration is deaf. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what it is? When I saw that tweet come down, silent majority, I, the first reaction I had was, Trump is scared. He's scared. Yeah. This is- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's flailing. This yeah. is flailing. But, but on the subject of Trump and, and, and Nixon here, he's using that same playbook. It, Nixon actually used the anti-war protests to get elected to office in the first place on a, wait for it, law and order platform. Yeah. Trump is following... You know, we've made these comparisons before between Nixon and Watergate, and there were times where they seemed more pertinent and times when they seemed less pertinent. This is Trump following the Nixon campaign playbook to the letter. Oh, yeah. uh, this this is the same thing again. Law and order. Peace is at hand. I got this. 
uh, and nobody else does. And it it helped Nixon get elected. Will it help Trump get reelected? So yeah, there's that's the margin of error that we're seeing now in the lead that Biden has over Trump. That's what could change and how it could change between now and election day. Yeah, and I hopefully hopefully the the voices that have been raised across the country will sustain and be loud enough to keep this cause alive yeah. uh, into the election. Well, even Nixon knew when to shut the fuck up and step yeah. aside for the good of the country. And Donald Trump, again, Donald Trump doesn't have that awareness. Uh, Nixon was educated enough at least to know, uh, again, what uh, what kind of platform he was exploiting. And he knew what kind of damage it could create if he took the wrong turn. And so, therefore, he did the exact right thing. He He resigned. But that's not anything that we're going to see Donald Trump do at any point. Now. No, no, because about, a sociopath, a yeah. sociopath, isn't concerned with consequences. That's right. That's right. Uh, so no, it'll never occur to him to resign. Right. All right. Well, let's take a uh, brief uh, rest here to talk about something that's uh, way more enjoyable than all of this, and that is really? Omaha Steaks. If you're looking for oh, the, if, well. if you're looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, Omaha Steaks can help you. And what does Dad really want for Father's Day anyway? He wants steak, steak, meat, beef. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 dad who writes dad jokes wants steaks for Father's Day. That is correct. <laughs> there you go. I think there might be some arriving at your doorstep. Anytime now. That's Speaking great because of- I got a I got a bitchin' grill and I am an ace <laughs> I am an ace griller I and I crank it. out and when they're Omaha steaks oh man it's like heaven. Well, for a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with beautiful Omaha steaks plus other premium meats, side dishes, artisan desserts. And so much more, all ideal for Dad's special day. These packages come flash-frozen, vacuum-sealed, and delivered in a cooler with dry ice safely to his door. That means fresher than fresh, all backed by Omaha Steaks' unconditional 100% money-back guarantee. It's a simple, delicious way to treat Dad this Father's Day. Omaha Steaks Mm -hmm. is offering Mm -hmm. listeners a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send Dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LIBERAL. For into the search bar to unlock savings of 50% and more. With code LIBERAL, you receive free shipping and a free one-pound package of delicious Applewood smoked steak cut bacon in select Ooh. packages. There are many packages available for uh, that are perfect for dad, all ready to be shipped in time for Father's Day. OmahaSteaks.com. <laughs> OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the code LIBERAL. Again, OmahaSteaks.com. The Bob Seska Show. Soul Crackers. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we're both huge, huge fans of Soul Crackers. I have their stuff, and oh man, did they just do a fantastic job of a song by War, oh, yeah. uh, Slipping into Darkness. Yep. I, not only did I love that song to begin with, but Soul Crackers' rendition of it here is great. I love oh, God, the rhythm. Yeah. I could listen to this all day, and I'm just saying, and uh, I want to thank them again for sending the CD. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Indie Music Countdown was Sunday. It's ready for you. It's all ready and waiting for your ear holes. Go to bobseska.com or bobseskashow.com. 
And, uh, oh, you can also go to everywhere you get your podcasts to find the Indie Music Countdown. We count down all the songs that we played uh, during the month of May here on the show. And giving everyone a full airing of the entire song rather than us talking over it. So, uh, lots of fun to do those. Uh, BobSuska.com. Also, make sure to submit your music to BobSuska.com slash music. If you have a band, if you're a recording artist, we'd love to play your work on the show here. So, thank you for doing that. All right, getting back into things here. Um, submit, submit, or he'll send in the National Guard. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, so uh, Archbishop Wilton Gregory has issued a statement on uh, Donald Trump's uh, visit to the uh, to, to St. John's. Yeah. Said, I find it baffling and reprehensible that any Catholic facility would allow itself to be so egregiously misused and manipulated in a fashion that violates our religious principles, which call us to defend the rights of all people, even those with whom we might disagree. St. Pope John Paul II was an ardent defender of the rights and dignity of human beings. His legacy bears vivid witness to that truth. He certainly would not condone the use of tear gas and other deterrents to silence, scatter, or intimidate them for a photo opportunity in front of a place of worship and peace. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Episcopal Bishop of the Church, uh, St. John's, across the street from the White House, uh, issuing a similar condemnation of, of uh, Trump's use of gas to disperse a peaceful crowd, uh, which she indicated would not be what Jesus would do. Well, meanwhile, we're hearing all about uh, how interlopers uh, are entering these uh, protests and disrupting them and stoking the uh, violent outbursts mm-hmm. and, and looting and so on. In fact, one of the groups uh, is a white nationalist group that's been posing as uh, the anti-fascist group Antifa. By the way, I, I just want to say this about Antifa. They should just go by the actual anti-fascist t- title because yeah, Antifa, we're only saving a we're only saving a syllable. You can get it yeah, out. Yeah, ex- exactly right. And I get the Bob sense- and I Bob Bob and I have a separate group called Anti-Fuckery. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Thank you. I needed that. I mean, what Donald Trump counts on is the fact that his people don't know what Antifa actually means, that it sounds like it's some sort of Middle Eastern group that's engaged in some sort of jihad against Trump or something like that. I know. It does. It sounds like an organization, but it isn't an organization. It it just isn't. It doesn't have meetings. They they don't have, uh, they don't do a newsletter. Right. Uh, They don't, they don't have a president. (laughs) Uh, There's none of that. Uh, And, and so it, it isn't a group it's an ideology it's a it's a belief that people hold yeah yeah uh, they, it's not a club uh it's not an organization it's certainly not a terrorist group right uh when trump uh, declared and uh, pay attention he, when he just understand that half the stuff he says is bullshit yeah, for example right, right. when he when he said that he was going to have antifa declared a terrorist organization well good luck with that because first of all the u.s official list of terrorist organizations uh, only lists foreign-based operations, not not domestic ones. The FBI covers domestic, uh, so no, they're, it's not. They're not going to be put on any kind of a, a list. And furthermore, and perhaps most of all, it's not an organization. That's right. So you can't, you can't, you know. So, but what is it? What is it then? It's a boogeyman for yeah. Trump and and his supporters. It's someone to blame. It's something to blame. And uh, it's the perfect foil for this. It's the perfect fall guy mm-hmm. because it doesn't exist. That's right. So, and- so nobody gets hurt. And one of the things that Trump is best at, and he's terrible on almost everything, except for the fact that what he likes to do is in every situation like this, Donald Trump seeks to divide people. That is the difference between, you know, what we heard from Barack Obama when he was, when he sang Amazing Grace after the church shooting in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, you, you look at something like that and you see Joe Biden uh, throughout the past several days meeting with people, sitting in pews, right. listening. I mean, that's the most important thing to, 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 to listen. Donald Trump doesn't do that. Donald Trump finds things that he can use to basically split people up to make sure know. that there's constant antagonism. E- educate me about this if I'm wrong. But, but here's how I perceive this. I don't know that... I think it's a little more subtle than his intention being to divide people. To me, it appears what he's doing is simply inflaming his base, believing that his base will save him. That's yeah. uh, that his base will. So, and and if that divides America in the course, well, he's fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't. 
I just don't know if it's quite that sophisticated. I think it's a, a little more subtle. I think it's it's simply trying to inflame a base. I think I think I think that the joke will be on him uh, that that uh, the his support this time is much smaller than it was in 2016. Well, the way you uh, get your people to stay in line is you constantly give them something to fear. And in order to give them something to fear, you have to create an other. You have to manufacture this kind of division. You have to say that they're all radical left crazy people and they're Antifa or they're Gina or whatever he's screaming about from a day, on a day-to-day basis. That's how he increases the void between his people and everyone else. That's it, a long-time Republican tactic that you yeah. wrote about in your book, uh, One Nation Under Fear, oh, available yeah. at, at Borders Bookstores everywhere. <laughs> don't buy my book. Please don't buy it. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, no, it's delightful. It's delightful. Deli- oh, that's it was very written nice by a young, a young Bob Seska. Well, there's a, a young story Bob on page. Seska. Yeah, it was on page 91 or something that, that uh, where you do the Liddy story. So it's worth oh, it yeah, just yeah, for that. That's true, yeah. Uh, that's and right. uh, good luck finding a Borders <laughs> that's open. Well, this this white nationalist group uh, posing as Antifa, it's a Twitter account claiming to belong mm-hmm. to a national Antifa organization and pushing violent rhetoric related to ongoing protests. It's been linked to the white nationalist group Identity Europa, according to a Twitter right, spokesperson. Right. The spokesperson said the account violated the company's platform uh, manipulation and spam policy, specifically the creation of fake accounts. Twitter suspended the account after a tweet that incited violence. As protests were taking place in multiple states across the U.S. Sunday night, the newly created count Antifa underscore U.S., tonight's the night, comrades, with a brown raised fist emoji and... Tonight we say F the city and we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. That's the word out of this group that thankfully uh, Twitter has sought to ban. And by the way, Mm -hmm. Congressman Matt Gates suffered the the same fate as Donald Trump today, had one of his tweets uh, reported and flagged as as promoting uh, graphic violence wow. and so on. He said, now that we clearly see Antifa as terrorists, can we hunt them down like we do those in the Middle East? So talk about hunt, again, hunting yeah. hunting down American citizens who he who don't exist. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, anti-fascists exist. Uh, hell, if your grandfather fought in World War One, he was an anti-fascist. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, President Eisenhower was an anti-fascist. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of it going around. Mm. But, but, it, but it ain't a club. It isn't an organization. No. It does not, in that sense, exist. And it's just, it's something to hate and something to target. It's a pretend. It, the great thing about a fake boogeyman is it's easy to make it go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's not what this is. And, and Antifa, you know, and, and this claim, uh, that's not a concern. Antifa is not a concern of any of our national security agencies, not the FBI. Nobody, nobody's no. paying attention because there is no Antifa. They've looked into that. There's no Antifa. What they do have a list of are white nationalist groups that are considered terror groups domestically and and the list is long and it's all right wing yeah there are few if any left-wing groups that the government is watching because they either don't exist or they are of no concern to the federal government that's right and there's also this other movement called the boogaloo movement uh that's been inciting violence during infiltrating the crowds inciting violence and so this is kind of all like a reichstag fire situation it is because yeah. it's not just it's not just uh, these guys posing as Antifa uh, or, or uh, you know the various right wing groups who I thoroughly believe are involved trying to make this worse. It's a whole bunch of things. It's ne'er do wells of all sort, yeah. uh, of all uh, skin colors, of all uh, situations. Some just need a big screen TV. <laughs> some some want to eat the rich, which yeah. is what they're doing figuratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, some want to take what's theirs, you know. And None of these stealing is wrong. Uh, violence is wrong. And uh, we all know that. We also kind of understand why there's been some of that. But as you're saying here, uh, rightly, uh, it isn't It isn't just that. It's, it's a whole lot of groups. There are a whole lot of people uh, trying to push their agendas in these demonstrations. Well, Buzz, you know, there's uh, actually a teeny tiny sliver of good news in all of this. It's it's kind of but amazing to so. behold. Yeah, yeah. And and what encourages me is the fact that this comes from the people, which 
I've been very skeptical right. about uh, the mm, the grasp uh, the that the American people have on what needs to happen in this election. I, I've been on the edge, like, ah, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of faith in my fellow American right now. Uh, but uh-huh. this one, this poll, this new morning consult poll, is very, very encouraging. Uh, this is uh, uh, on Trump's handling of the protests. Among all adults, 20% excellent good, 54% only fair slash poor. That's great news. Ages uh, 18 to 34, 16% excellent good, 57% fair slash poor. 65 plus, 28% excellent good, 50% fair poor. Independence, 11% uh, excellent good. Whites, 21% excellent good. Blacks, 11% excellent good. Uh, Hispanics, 13%. Evangelical Christians, 27% excellent good. Suburban women, this is the key number, 15% excellent good. Uh, Non-college whites, another positive sign here, only 22% excellent good. The non-college whites, that's Trump's wheelhouse. College edu- college educated whites, 19%. Trump 2016 voters, 43% excellent good, 23% fair poor. That was the people who voted for Donald Trump, and now they're split too. So the, the advantage that uh, I think we all have coming up uh, against Donald Trump is the fact that people now know what he's all about. In 2016... I don't think a lot of Trump's voters right. understood factor. that he was not going to pivot, that he was not going to become magically right. uh, presidential, that he was not going to hire uh, you know, wise old men to surround him in the White House. He was not going to do all the things that some people expect in this country that presidents will do, especially first-timers who have zero fucking experience uh, in politics or government or you know, all points in between. So Familiarity yeah. indeed has... Uh, made drawn contempt for for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, his his approval ratings are falling, his disapproval ratings are are rising. Yeah. Uh and uh, the gap between him has uh, jumped uh, dramatically from mm-hmm. March. Uh he had uh Biden had a 2 point lead on Trump in March. That's as close as they've come uh in, in this race. Uh, and now uh in May uh, leads Trump by 10 points, 53% to 43%. Yeah. We're getting closer to that dream goal that you and I talked about last week of 12 to 14 points that that makes this an absolute landslide, which, as we've also discussed, is the thing we need. Meanwhile, I'm just seeing this poll from Monmouth. 74% say the country is on the wrong track, an all-time low in seven years of national Monmouth polling. That's up from 60% last month alone. And again, I go back to what I was saying before. This is all going down with George Floyd and these protests and Donald Trump's reaction to all of it from a baseline of immense stress and dissatisfaction and unease and instability. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you talk about those of us who were warning against Donald Trump prior to the uh, 2016 election and those warnings being vindicated now. Again, I wish they weren't. But one of those warnings that I had, if Trump became president, that he would destabilize the country. And here we are. It didn't happen overnight because, thank God, we do have, you know, the status of the nation, the institutions in this country were pretty well embedded. And it takes a lot to knock them off of their foundations. But Donald Trump has tried really fucking hard for many, many years to knock those institutions off their foundations. And now it's happening. Now we're seeing it. And it's so unnerving, uh, especially if you're a person of color in this country, because I think there's there's no one who fears Donald Trump, and rightfully so, than people of color. Because they know when things become destabilized in a country, the people who get steamrolled first are the minorities, are the people who look different than the majority. I hope that cooler heads prevail. I hope that things can, can stabilize. I hope that the looters and rioters uh, get bored and go home. And I hope the peaceful protesters keep going win the day doing what you know needs to be done at this point which is to not only fill the streets 
but to continue surrounding the White House despite Trump's yes. thugs coming in and clearing out Lafayette Park. Civil, and yeah, civil disobedience, such as we saw last night until until the National Guard and, and other cops moved in. I, I you know, I've on one hand I see. You know, the, the question has been raised, will people turn out in a pandemic uh, to vote? Yeah. And I think if you look at the number of people who poured into the streets, I think the answer is yes, yes, yeah. they will. Yeah. Uh, will will African-Americans turn out to vote? Uh, I'm going to say yes, based on recent events. Here's the bad news that goes with that. Uh, I, I just came across this these figures from the Washington Post ABC News poll that was out a couple of days ago. Uh, we'll definitely be voting for either Trump or Biden this this election. Trump supporters say 84% of them will definitely be voting for Trump. Biden supporters say 68% of them oh, will be voting Christ. for Biden. Are you, are you enthusiastic about your candidate? 87% of Republicans say yes. 74% of Democrats say yes. <laughs> are you is. very... Are you very enthusiastic? Are you very enthusiastic about your candidate? Sixty-four percent of Trump supporters say yes. Thirty-one percent of mm. Democratic voters say yes. Jesus, uh, are, are you are you registered to vote? Eighty-four percent of Republicans say yes. Seventy-eight percent of Repo of Democrats say yes. Yeah. Are are you absolutely certain you will vote in November? Seventy-eight percent of Republicans say yes. Sixty-seven percent of Republicans say yes. So when you say no balloons, this is why. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the advantage, though, in the face of those poll numbers, which are immensely disturbing, is the notion that Rachel Bittacoffer has been pushing for a couple of years now, which is the idea of negative partisanship. While Democratic voters might not be as enthusiastic as uh, Trump voters are to vote for Trump, uh, there is, I think, a much greater urge among Democratic voters to not necessarily, you know, get energized about voting for Joe Biden, but to get energized about voting against Donald Trump. That is negative right. partisanship. And I think that's right. what's going to propel. If anything propels Joe Biden into office, Thank it's going to be it's going to be that it's going to be that Thank ne you. negative partisanship. That, yeah. th that helps talk us off that ledge or yeah. me in particular. So thank you for reminding me of that. And and as I have said all along as well, uh, every day he gives us a new reason to vote, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, to vote, vote him out of office again. I just I other than marching in the streets, as we're seeing now, I don't see any other way of surviving until yeah. January 20th, as long as he's president. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the recommendations I was making from the beginning is to surround the White House and make it impossible for Donald Trump to do business. Make it impossible for him to leave right. the building, basically. Make him, put him in a cage, which is now, in a very literal sense, because there are now cage walls surrounding the White House, right. creating yeah. a perimeter. So, in a way, Donald Trump is now placed himself in the same kind of cage <laughs> that he's been putting migrant children in. Yeah. Uh, at the border. Shame so, right. yeah. But at the same time, we can't underestimate the enthusiasm of the Trump loyalists. I think right. while our negative partisanship to oust Donald Trump is at an all-time high right now, and I think it will mm -hmm. continue to grow as the days go by, I think at the same time, you're going to see that circling of the wagons by the Red Hats, who will, without a doubt, they will surround the president to protect him and turn out in huge numbers to vote. I think there will be efforts to obviously skew the vote in terms of uh, election interference. I think Donald Trump with his uh, jihad against mail-in voting, I think that's not so much a warning about what the Democrats are going to do, but more of an instruction manual in terms of what the Republicans should do. Because with mail-in votes, you can't necessarily hack those pieces of paper. Right. You might be able to hack the uh, computers that tabulate those pieces of paper, but you're not going to be able to hack the vote as easily as you can hack the vote with voting machines. So that's panicking Donald Trump, too. So there are lots of elements playing into this as well. But I am feeling relatively positive uh, about the election right now. While I'm not, you know, blowing up balloons by any stretch, I do think that there is... Uh, yeah. There is more angst. If there is something positive that comes out of this, it is just 
enough, 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 enough of this We've ongoing madness, this instability that just will not stop. That's the fatigue we, we've talked about for a couple yeah. of years now. I know yeah. uh, that's that, that's certainly what we have to hope for. And I share your optimism about the outcome of the election where where I'm really in trouble this week is can we make it to and through the election to yeah. inauguration day i it's the based on what we saw last night uh, there's reason to be genuinely concerned unless someone someone finally steps up if ever we needed batman we need him now and donald trump is going to try to do this little thing that he's uh, was pushing the governors to do which is to uh what was he saying you have to dominate you have to dominate the protesters so you don't look like a bunch of jerks he was telling the uh, governors on monday right, right. the answer to that the answer to that unequivocally is passivity yeah Absolutely. You have to remain passive in the face of all of this. That's what MLK pushed for. That's what Gandhi pushed for. All of the great organizers uh, throughout world history. Yeah. Passive resistance. Right. Passive resistance. That is the absolute key to this. And if resistance can remain passive so that the message is getting out for why protesters are out in the first place and at the same time generating sympathy for those protests rather than sympathy for the law and order guy, which is to me, this is the huge difference between, say, what happened in the summer of 1992 versus what happened in the summer of 1968. I know there's a lot of concern that the protests that occurred in 1968 and the impact that they had on ultimately the election, I don't know that there's a direct correlation, by the way, but there are some people like Tom Nichols, for example, who are saying, oh, well, we got to be careful here. got to keep in mind. No, the way you overcome that is through that passive resistance. And that's how it gets done. Yeah, I, I hope, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot you can envision. I, I remember four dead in Ohio uh, with uh, Richard Nixon. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I see what, what can happen here, what may happen before the week is out. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 terrifying. I, I wonder, and I'll, I'll ask you this, do you think Joe Biden should keep up the visibility now that he's now that he's sort of emerged and gotten some attention? And I, and I hope that the network's, begin to give him some equal time because it just occurs to me that that might offer some hope in an otherwise very dark time if we could if the media would allow us to hear from Joe regularly uh, he's been speaking uh, but it just hasn't been covered yeah. it's been buried by the violence and by Trump coverage if we could see and you know watch I'm going to check the evening news tonight and see if they they give Biden decent coverage on 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 what he said today. Yeah, uh, and maybe that'll give us some indication of what what we could see going forward. So, should Biden keep up that uh, elevated high uh, that elevated visibility? Yeah, that's a good question. I think he should as long as it's disciplined, as long as it's prepared, and as long as Joe Biden doesn't suddenly turn it into an old yarn about corn corn pop. You know, we don't need that. And we don't necessarily need uh, Joe Biden coming up with new nicknames for Donald Trump. We can handle that, uh, Mr. Vice President. We've got that covered on Twitter. You don't need to... I don't think... It just doesn't seem to me to be his nature to, to... assign nicknames or to call names uh i i like i think he knows what track he's on and i think it's the right track and that is the the calm presidential leader track yeah uh that that's the the track that i think america needs right now the leadership that it craves right now and maybe he can somehow help uh certainly uh, it would be good to hear from Obama some more, although uh, I agree with those who say this shouldn't all be on Obama. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, maybe it's time. We talked about it perhaps being advantageous that Joe is uh, more quiet, more low-key. I think considering the stakes at this point, I think it's important to, to hear from him more now. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, he, ha- he has to be visible. I mean, he can't just sit in his house and, and right. do streaming video uh, remarks once a day. He, he's got to be out and he's got to be meeting with people as long as it's safe and as long as his people do their diligence in order to give him the right words. And, uh, yeah. Uh, it was- and I th- I, 
you know, I think we should also say that although uh, Trump threatened to invoke uh, the Insurrection Act of 1807 yesterday, mm-hmm. he didn't actually do it. He simply threatened to. Yeah. Uh, and and he, he did what he could within the, the confines of D.C., but but he didn't really take it any further. It was more it was more about a, a threat. So uh, you know that's that's something important to remember. Mm. Uh, he, he certainly has that that card he can play. Uh, but but right now it's it's just a threat. Well, he's looking for an excuse, and my deep deep concern is that he's finally going to seriously snap and order the military to start. He could r- 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 he sweep, could. sweeping and through the streets. I've seen a number of people raise the legitimate question, is it time for the military to refuse that order? Yeah, and and, uh, I don't know. I'm on the fence as to whether they will. I I don't know whether or not they're going to obey the orders of their commander-in-chief or whether they're going to say, hey, look, this is a step too far and you're out of your fucking mind. I mean, I don't know if they're going to say that, (laughs) literally. It depends, I guess. Yeah, but they they may take actions along those lines. And and certainly we've seen some cops doing the right thing and reaching out to their community uh, rather than demonizing their community like uh, they see in the White House. So, you know, we'll we'll continue to watch the ongoing horror show. It's a melting pot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we're going to continue with the post-mortem show. We've gone way long today. We had, oh, my God, the first half of the show was nothing but uh, internet dropouts. So so I've got some editing to do. Uh, but I be- thought it was fine. <laughs> You're so nice. You're such a nice man. You're such a forgiving man. Uh, we're going to continue the show on the post-mortem show. We're going to continue the show with that on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Show. If you want to subscribe for $5 a month, go over there and do it. Thank you so much. You'll get two post-mortem shows a week for your $5 a month. That's, uh, let me do the math real quick. That's like six post-mortem shows a month for just 5 bucks. Plus, you support this show and help ke- keep things going, help keep things uh on the air, so to speak. Uh, meanwhile, Buzz Burbank News and Comment is every Thursday. I I assume this Thursday is going to be a barn burner. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm fairly certain you're on Word 20,000 at this point. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm deep into it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Sometimes I can be concise. We'll see. All right. BuzzBurbank.com. Also, RealmNetwork.com. Everywhere you get your podcasts, support and listen to the Buzz Burbank uh, News and Comment podcast every week. That is it for us. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, my God, take care of yourself. We'll see you on the post-mortem show. Bye-bye. Now more than ever, we're all thinking about our hygiene. We're washing our hands, sneezing into our arms. But what about your cell phone? It's a huge carrier of germs. Phones are a vector for disease. And we rarely, if ever, clean them. We're constantly touching our phones with our hands and even pressing them to our face. It's time to take cleaning your phone seriously. The Clean Phone Pro Sanitizer uses medically proven UV light technology to kill 99.99% of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone. Better than wipes and safe for your device, the Clean Phone Pro gets every inch of your phone clean with nine high-power UVC lights. There's a dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber. You can be sanitizing your other items while wirelessly charging your phone. Or you can just use Clean Phone Pro as your go-to charging station anytime. A fully removable top means easier fit for more items and larger items, too. Plus, you know what? They're selling N95 masks over there. So get all of your N95 masks to be safe uh, to continue the social distancing over at thecleanphonepro.com. That's it. Just go to thecleanphone.com today. Get one for just $89. Not the N95 mask, but the Clean Phone Pro, the actual device. And free shipping when you use the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word. If you're serious about hygiene, it's time to get serious about cleaning your phone. Go to thecleanphone.com and keep your phone truly clean. Remember to use the code SEXYLIBERAL for two-day free shipping, and it's going to ship immediately. That's thecleanphone.com, thecleanphone.com.